This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. After surprisingly refusing to support President Joe Biden's signature climate legislation, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin has now announced support for a new compromise bill being dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act. The bill, which includes a mishmash of climate, health care and tax policy initiatives, apparently does little to curb inflation, but appears to allow Mr. Manchin to salvage his reputation in the face of withering criticism for stymieing his party's political agenda. Well, does the Inflation Reduction Act help people and the planet? Joining me to help answer that question is Michelle Kilpatrick, Senior Federal Policy Analyst at the Center for Popular Democracy. Welcome to the program, Michelle. Hi, thank you for having me. So first, let's just get out of the way the fact that it seems as though the name of the bill has little to do with its actual content, which is to reduce inflation. Uh, I believe there's one aspect of it around drug prices and the inflation um, for drug prices that have skyrocketed that seems to be the only really um, specific place where the bill addresses inflation. Is Is that accurate? Well, I wouldn't say that exactly. So I think um, one of the the issues with the way we talk about inflation is we we use these very broad blanket terms. Um, so we talk about uh, inflation as one thing, as if there's just one market, one set of uh, commodities or products in the economy. Um, the truth is there are a number of different um, markets that are being impacted by the various crises we're facing. Um, and so the solution to what's happening in those markets is going to be different uh, depending on uh, which market you're focused on. So one of the issues with the Federal Reserve and the focus on interest rates as the only real tool to handle inflation um, is that it's sort of, it's taking a sledgehammer uh, to something that is very large and complex um, and all it can do is break, it can't build. Uh, and so what we've seen is inflation's being driven by a combination of issues with the supply chain um, of the, the level of corporate power that we see. Um, a lot of folks have talked about uh, this question of corporate greed and the fact that there are record corporate profits right now, uh, but corporate greed is nothing new. Uh, what allows them to raise prices is corporate power. Um, and so looking at the concentration of companies in various markets um, and looking at climate itself, uh, one of the things that is disruptive to supply chains, disruptive to um, markets and prices is things like uh, wildfires and floods and droughts that have an impact on commodity prices around the world. Um, And so I think when we talk about inflation and what it means to fight it, um, it's really been, we've narrowed that focus to what is happening with the Federal Reserve and banks, instead of really looking at the real economy, which is a a world um, that's been impacted by a number of global crises that are ongoing. So what in this bill is related to climate? This was supposed to be the compromise after Manchin, after, you know, stringing along his own party and congressional aides for months and months and months decided that he wouldn't support the bill. This this is the bill that's supposed to replace 
climate legislation, there is apparently a climate aspect to it. What does the Inflation Reduction Act do on the climate? And does it come close to fulfilling President Biden's ambitious climate agenda? So there are it's $390 billion um, in investments in climate, um, which, and the, the line you'll see in article after article on this bill is this is the largest investment in any kind of uh, clean energy or emissions reduction in U.S. history. Um, some folks have pointed out that's a low bar, to be fair, um, but still it is a historic investment in um, clean energy. And so what it does, it does, um, it invests uh, through tax credits, um, and, a, and uh, rebates for consumers, it invests in a, a number of provisions that are intended to increase the development of renewable sources of energy. Um, and so the estimate is that uh, these provisions will get us to 40% reduction in emissions by 2030. Um, the goal was 50%, so that falls short of the goal. Um, but we should also recognize that this is not the only uh, this bill is not the only action that can be taken, that there are a number of things at the state and local level, in addition to uh, what the Biden administration is able to do at the federal level uh, from a regulatory standpoint. Um, and so this is just one piece of the puzzle. The, the concern before we knew that this deal was on the table was that those other elements, what the Biden administration could do, what states um, and uh, private individuals could do was not nearly sufficient to get us to those goals. Uh, but when we have this legislation in place, plus all of those other components, um, it can at least lead us in the right direction. And of course, we're, we're not done fighting for more action. And, and many were hoping that Biden would, you know, not unaware that this particular bill was in the works. Many were hoping that the, that Biden would declare a climate emergency after the earlier climate legislation failed. He did not do that. He stopped short of that. Uh, and so he, there are actions that he is that he has at his fingertips as executive orders that at least so far he isn't doing. Maybe this is political calculation, and he might be waiting till after this bill passes, which there's no guarantee that this bill will pass. But uh, certainly, it seems as though a lot more always can be done on the climate because it's never enough. What about healthcare? Healthcare is supposed to be another huge aspect of this bill. It is one of the most important issues to the public. Time and again, election after election, members of the public, voters want action on healthcare. They want lower costs. Um, they want the government to inter to intervene and, and control costs. And of course, mm -hmm. time and again, we end up uh, kowtowing to corporate uh, interests, pharmaceutical companies, health insurance companies. So what does the Inflation Reduction Act do on healthcare? So there are uh, sort of two prongs to this. So one is uh, uh, allowing Medicare to uh, negotiate prescription drugs. Um, and this is huge, so right? This is something they've wanted, yes. the party has wanted for years. It is. Um, now, I will say there are some limitations in terms of which drugs they can negotiate on and under which circumstances. Um, I think setting this precedent and going down this road is, is incredibly important. And uh, as with climate, it, it in and of itself is not enough. As you said, there has been a call for um, uh, lowering drug prices, lowering healthcare costs, and increasing healthcare access for 
decades in this country. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning if we take a step back and look at this whole process over the last year and a half, what we see is uh, two people in the Senate who are empowered to hold back uh, policies that are wildly popular among millions of people across the country. Um, people turned out in record numbers in the last election um, in order to put a Congress in place in order to, to have their needs met. Um, and what we're seeing is that the structure of uh, the Senate in particular, uh, not just the filibuster, although the filibuster obviously is huge, um, but in addition, the fact that um, the, the you have two senators for every state, whether you have a hundred thousand people or millions of people. Um, and so there are all of these structural uh, limitations on our democracy in addition to the very conscious effort to undermine that democracy through gerrymandering, through limiting access to the ballot at the state and local level. So all of these things, there's the, the content of the bill itself, which is incredibly important. And uh, we think Congress should act as quickly as possible to pass this legislation and then continue to do the work it needs to do. But also wanna note that it shouldn't have been this hard to get this far right. given the, the, uh, what the, this is what the public has been asking for for a long time. There has been a huge reluctance to overturn the Trump era tax giveaways to the wealthiest and to corporations. There is a tax provision in the Inflation Reduction Act, but more along the lines of better enforcement so that the IRS actually collects the taxes that it's supposed to collect. Right now, it is deeply underfunded, understaffed, and apparently you know, loses uh, much revenue simply because it's unable to enforce it. What is this? Um, what are your thoughts on this aspect of it? Uh, you know, it falls very far short of making our tax policy a little more progressive. Absolutely, and I I think the the tax code. Speaking of uh, other ways to address inflation, uh, are we have this very cumbersome, large, complicated tax code that is largely designed to. Uh, create opportunities for folks like private equity firms and large corporations to uh, move money around and sort of create these fictional entities in order to pay fewer taxes. And the tax code is full of loopholes that allow them to take advantage of those kinds of uh, those loopholes. Uh, and so one of the thing, one of the ways that we could address inflation and address the inequities in our economy is to have a tax code that actually uh, is intended to make sure everyone pays their fair share to ensure that we have uh, the uh, revenue on the uh, that we have the revenue available in order to invest in infrastructure, in healthcare, in childcare, and all of these things that actually address some of the supply issues that are actually driving up costs. Um, I think the, the tax provisions in this bill are obviously fall far short of, of that goal of getting to that point. Uh, that being said, they are uh, significant um, dents in that, particularly the 15% the minimum for corporations, um, which was part of a larger uh, deal that's intended to avoid uh, corporate tax dodging worldwide. Um, so uh, countries have come together in order to create the system to make it so, even if you decide to move your corporation to a tax shelter, um, that that 
it will be taxed at, at minimum 15% somewhere. Um, and that is really a really important step towards getting towards something like a just economy and a just tax system. But obviously, we have a much longer way to go. Michelle, this particular bill, it's a big bill. It's ambitious. It seems as though the Democrats in particular are hoping this will salvage the party's agenda going into the midterm elections. Clearly, they need to, the party needs to be able to prove to voters that it can deliver on some of the things that the public wants. Again, you mentioned, you know, the Senate is quite undemocratic. Even though Joe Manchin has said that he supports the bill, which is huge, there's still one other senator who tends to stand in the way of the party's agenda, and that's Kristen Sinema. Um, do you have any sense of how likely it is that this bill could pass? I mean, could Sinema be the new Manchin now? They, maybe they're taking turns, tag-teaming it. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, especially after after the last year and a half, and you might even say after the last six years, I think uh, I, I'm going to shy away from making any predictions about uh, almost anything. Um, but what I will say are, so uh, the Center for Popular Democracy is a network of uh, community-based advocacy organizations across the country. Um, and our affiliates have been really fighting for uh, these provisions and the provisions that are no longer part of this bill that uh, Joe Manchin required to be removed from it. Right. Um, and that fight has included um, focusing, we have a, an affiliate in Arizona called Lucha that um, has reached out to Senator Cinema and has uh, made it clear what the needs are of her constituents and have uh, exhorted her to uh, put the needs of her constituents above the needs of her donors. And just to and, remind our audience, Kristen Sinema is the senator from Arizona and so your partner organization, which are her constituents. Those are her constituents, yeah. yes. And so we're very hopeful that she will hear that. Um, we, we spent a, a, an equal amount of time uh, working with affiliates based in West Virginia, going out to Senator Manchin, including uh, kayaking out to his yacht in DC uh, <laughs> to get a hearing with him. And so we've, we have been letting every Senator, every representative know um, that this is absolutely necessary for, for their constituents, that there are provisions here, even in this trimmed down version that are life and death uh, for many of our members, many of the people on our base. And so we are very hopeful that Senator Sinema heeds that call and actually chooses to uh, do what is right for her constituents and for the planet um, over whatever it is her donors would prefer she do. So what uh, do you, what does the Center for Popular Democracy hope will happen? The, the bill presumably is as progressive as it's going to get if it has any hope of passing. Still obviously not progressive enough, but better than nothing. Is that is that a position that you're sort of, a realistic position that you are taking? It's absolutely better than nothing. And um, what we are focused on is the, the short, mid and long game. Uh, and so what we are doing, we are focused on building power at the local, state, and federal level among our, our constituencies or our communities that we work in are predominantly black and brown, immigrant, low-income communities. So folks who are really on the front line of the healthcare crisis, the housing crisis, the climate crisis, all of the, the cascading crises that our nation faces. And so what we're focused on is building the power of our base 
in order to make it so that you can't have two people in the Senate deciding the fates of millions of people. Um, and so we are really focused on what will it take to get a majority in Congress uh, that is, first of all, a robust majority, not just 50, but also a majority that is not based on a particular party, but is based on people who are really committed to democracy and to a just and resilient economy. And so that's really, that's the work that we're focused on is getting uh, those kinds of folks in office so that when something like this comes up, uh, we're, we are, we, we don't mind a fight, but we want to fight over the hard stuff. We, we don't want to fight over the stuff that is the absolute bare minimum that the government should be doing. Right. Um, well, finally, uh, where can people find out more about the work you do if they want to get involved? Because, of course, the stronger our movements are, uh, the more likely they are to succeed. You know, and I just want to mention that, that Manchin himself, when, when asked why he, this, this whole bill was such an uh, surprise, he said he, he didn't want to disappoint people again. It was almost as though he was referring to the fact that he understood just how deeply his rejection of the climate legislation was, just how much he has angered people. And he only knows that when grassroots groups like yours speak up push back. And so for him, you know, and for people in power like him to be sensitive to that is, is really, really important. Um, and that can only happen when there are strong grassroots movements. So, so where can people find out more about your organization's work? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh, so you can go to populardemocracy.org. Um, and there you can see all of the different uh, campaigns we're working on. You can see, uh, get information about all of our affiliates and uh, find an affiliate that's in your state if you'd like to um, get more directly involved. And you can also sign up for um, our uh, mailing list so you know when, we're, when we have an action near you, when we're going to DC and how we're gonna continue doing that short, mid, long game. And we'll post a link to your website from our site. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us. Best of luck to you. All right. Thank you so much. My guest has been Michelle Kilpatrick, Senior Federal Policy Analyst at the Center for Popular Democracy. And we've been discussing the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.